Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and it is Thursday night, but by the time you guys listen to this, it's going to be Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, as we head into week four of the NFL. Uh, just to recap the NFC West division, because if you're listening to this pod, y'all should be listening to it because it's uh, it's an NFC West podcast. Niners are 3-0. Rams 3 and 0, Seahawks 2 and 1, and the Cardinals are 0 2 and 1. They have one tie against the Lions from week 1. Um, but yeah, right now NFC West, there are 7 teams that are undefeated at 3 and 0. Two of them come from the NFC West. And for this week, uh, for week 4, the San Francisco 49ers, they do have a bye week. Uh, they're coming off a pretty close win at home. Uh, I won't say convincing they had five turnovers, but um, they had a win where probably in years past they would have lost it. Um, But they were able to win 24-20 against the Steelers, and so they get a bye week. Uh, Next week, uh, in week five, they have a Monday night football game against the Browns at home. So that should be interesting. But in the meanwhile, you have the first divisional game of the year in which the Seahawks, who are coming off a pretty tough loss against the Saints at Seattle, um, they get their first divisional game on the road where the Arizona Cardinals are hosting them. It's a 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time game. And, you know, it's a very interesting game in the sense that, you know, both teams are obviously looking to rebound after a pretty shitty performance on Sunday in Week 3. Seahawks lost to the Saints. Cardinals lost at home to the Panthers. A Panthers team without Cam Newton. They actually had a another quarterback in Kyle, Kyle Allen. He threw for four touchdowns against the Cardinals defense. And so, yeah, uh, both teams need wins. That should be interesting. And then the other 1 o'clock game in the NFC West, 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, the Buccaneers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're coming off. Oof, another pretty tough loss against the Giants, Danny Dimes, and Daniel D- Jones' uh, rookie debut, and they got their, well, I won't say they got their asses handed. They were winning by more than two scores, and they ended up losing that game at home. And so they get a pretty tough game against the Rams, and the Rams are coming off, I won't say a convincing win, but a, a 20-13 to victory at Cleveland, Monday Night Football, defense played really well. The offense was okay, but I think that there is a level of optimism going into this home game for the Rams where, uh, yeah, the Rams play a very, you know, as high-scoring as the Bucks may be, a very undisciplined team in the Buccaneers. And so let's go ahead and talk about these NFC West matchups. There's only two NFC West matchups because one of them, is a divisional game, and the other one is the Rams game, and the Niners are on the bye. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's get it. All right, so let's get it started. Divisional game, first divisional game of the season. You have the Seahawks at Arizona. The Seahawks are favored by 4.5, over under 47.5. And And so I'm not surprised, obviously, to have the Cardinals as home dogs, considering that they are winless they're coming off a pretty shitty game against the Panthers uh, but keep in mind 
This is a divisional game. Typically, divisional games are closer than what they perceive on paper. Seahawks are a pretty damn good team. I mean, they sell Bobby Wagner and a couple of those guys on the defense. Jadavion Clowney, Ziggy Ansa. But at the same time, I feel that the Seahawks have been kind of underwhelming on their defense. I feel that their their pass rush has been pretty subpar up to this point. I haven't really I haven't really heard Clowney's name or Anta's name for that matter. Um, nothing too much from Bobby Wagner outside of being a sound tackler. But uh, this year in particular, actually this week in particular, it was very uncharacteristic for this uh, Pete Carroll defense in which uh, I don't know what the hell happened. Maybe it was just a bad day or maybe it was Alvin Kamara of the Saints. But uh, a lot of missed tackles by these uh these Seattle defenders, like a lot of missed tackles, where you know Alvin Kamara had 160 all-purpose yards, two touchdowns, and the Saints rolled and hung, what was it, like 31, 35 points at Seattle. Uh, a lot of these points came after contact. That's troublesome where... You know, they go on the road, they're playing this Cardinals team, and a lot of their offense in the Cliff Kingsbury air raid offense is predicated upon making plays after the catch. You know, this air raid offense with four wide receivers, one running back, zero tight ends. uh, It's a very quick release offense where, you know, the ball needs to get out quick, it needs to go out to their playmakers, and you're forcing the defender to miss a tackle and to make a play. And so, to be quite honest, I mean, I know that the Seahawks are a better team on paper, but um, this offense for the Cardinals is schemed up very nicely to go against the Seahawks team because, well, for one, they didn't tackle too well last week against the Saints. But the second thing is, you know, the Seahawks defense, they actually play a lot of base defense in their 4-3 scheme in which uh, they don't really use their, uh, you know, their nickelbacks. Uh, their their secondary depth, um, and you know just the Cardinals. They I mean for Christ's sake, they use four receivers on on offense. So the Seahawks are going to be forced to use a lot of nickel and dime packages, or they should at least, uh, considering they're going up against this air raid offense. Um, but if they don't, that means that you're going to see a lot of Michael Kendricks, a lot of Casey Wright in these base defenses, which means that. Um, a lot of pressure is going to be called upon for the Seattle pass coverage. And so Kyler Murray, great in, in that sense where he's similar to Russell Wilson as a mobile quarterback. Um, but this is a different monster. I mean, for the Seahawks, this is their first time playing against Kyler Murray and this Cardinals offense. So, I mean, just on paper, there's already a little bit of film about Kyler Murray. But... Um, you know, you still don't know what you're going to get out of him until you, you finally play him. Um, it's at home. Kyler Murray is coming off a very abysmal loss. I'm sure he's motivated to, to rebound just as much as the Seahawks are. Uh, so I would caution for those to say that the Seahawks are going to trample over the Cardinals. I know that me and T-Up on their previous pod, on paper, you know, Seattle's pretty mad. Uh, that they would look to wreak havoc against the Cardinals, who are winless. But, you know, the Cardinals are, you know, to be quite honest, I'm sure they're pretty pissed off as well. Uh, Against the Panthers last week, I felt that that was a game that was going to be heavily in their favor, considering that they're, um, you know, they were going up against a quarterback without 
too much experience. A quarterback that wasn't Cam Newton, but whatever. Uh, that was... I don't know. The Cardinals laid an egg on that, too. So I feel that this time around at home, um, it's going to be a much more tightly contested game, especially within the division. But, I mean, conversely, you know, I was, I've been giving shit about the Seahawks defense, but, I mean, look about this Cardinals defense, man. I mean, shoot, it was 21-20 the first half against the Panthers, but the second half was a shit show because every time the Cardinals would go up the field and get a field goal, get a point or whatever, uh, yeah, the Panthers would respond and get a bigger play on the drive following, whether it's a Christian McCaffrey 70-yard touchdown run, uh, whether it's a DJ Moore touchdown for 40 yards. I mean, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad, and this is a very bad Cardinals defense. For whatever reason, too, they're, at least for this year, their defense against tight ends. Uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, they allowed, what, 115 yards and a touchdown to TJ Hawkinson week one against the Lions. They allowed 110 yards and a touchdown to Mark Andrews with the Ravens. And then I think, don't quote me on this, but uh, Greg Olson with the Panthers had two touchdowns and about 80 yards receiving. So you get the trend where I'm coming from with this. They don't defend tight ends particularly well. I don't know what's the deal, whether it's been Buda Baker, whether it's been the linebacker, uh, whatever. Like It's a defensive failure on their end. And so one matchup that I would kind of highlight for this would be tight end with the Seahawks, Will Disley. They actually just traded their other tight end, Nick Vanette, to the Panthers. Nope, scratch that. To the Steelers for a fifth-round pick. And so... Yeah, I think that is a vote of confidence for Will Disley, who is also coming off uh, another touchdown performance. Mind you, it was kind of a garbage touchdown, but he had a touchdown against the Saints last week, and the week before he had two touchdowns, and so it's looking like uh, he's coming into his own. This comes especially nice for them because the Cardinals have been horrible defending tight ends and pass coverage. Uh, conversely, I don't know what's up with his run defense as well, but Christian McCaffrey last week ran for 160. And this Cardinals defense in particular, yeah, they've been kind of allowing that as well. Uh, I get it that it's a rebuilding team. You have a new system. But the funny thing was a lot of the questions were going to go on the offense with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. But ironically, people forgot that this Cardinals defense switched it up from a 4-3 scheme to a 3-4 scheme under Vance Joseph. So there's going to be some adjustments as well, especially as we go into just week four of the NFL season. Uh, So the one thing I will say in favor of the Cardinals defense is, hey, you know, they don't have maybe some of the heavy hitters as Bobby Wagner, Jadavion Clowney, um, you know, those boys for that matter but the Cardinals still have a couple of intriguing pieces uh, the most intriguing would be edge pass rusher Chandler Jones Terrell Suggs I mean these guys are vicious and in particular Chandler Jones for whatever reason whenever he plays the Seahawks he usually has a pretty good dig against them and so uh, in years past the Cardinals have played the Seahawks very, very well, and it wouldn't surprise me if Chandler Jones came up to the occasion and made a couple of plays per usual. 
another defensive thing that kind of keeps in mind for me is, you know, that rookie cornerback out of Washington for the Cardinals, Byron Murphy. He's done a pretty good job thus far. I mean, I don't think he was expected to take the starting job as an outside corner right away. He was more so as a nickel. Uh, but considering the injuries to Robert Alford and the suspension of Patrick Peterson, you have Tremaine Brock and Byron Murphy as your starting corners. And so, you know, keep in mind as well that, you know, you have Tyler Lickett for the Seahawks. Super fast, finely tuned route runner. But uh, I don't know who the hell is going to guard DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf, 6'4". Um, you know, he kind of fell in the draft because of his lack of agility, per se. He seemed like a straight-line guy, throw the ball up in the air to have a receiver. But you know what? That seems to be working so far for the Seahawks in this offense. I mean, I know that the Seahawks haven't necessarily been clicking on the passing offense. But, shoot, I mean, Russell Wilson, he... Uh, he had like 400, 406 passing yards. So Tyler Lockett's one guy, but DK Metcalf is another deep ball threat. And if it looks like it, let's just say Tremaine Brock takes Tyler Lockett. That means, by theory, Byron Murphy is going to go up against his rookie compadre in DK Metcalf. That's a very intriguing matchup for me um, because I feel that week by week, DK Metcalf is progressing and showing his big-time play ability, and so it wouldn't surprise me if Russell Wilson targeted the rookie cornerback a couple times with his own rookie, um, so keep that in mind. Switching sides, so switching sides with that, I think that this um, the Seattle offense, it's been very run-heavy, and I expect it to be very run-heavy, um, but kind of, a, kind of a question mark going into this game. So running back Chris Carson for like the third week in a row has fumbled and every fumble he's fumbled every fumble he's fumbled he has lost his fumbles every lost fumble every lost fumble he's fumbled he's fumbled he's lost his fumble so that equates to more turnovers for the Seattle uh, offense and um, in weeks past I guess they've been able to to win and get by it but last week in particular was pretty bad man Uh, he had another fumble in the first half and that was recovered, and that was ran in for a touchdown. And so that game was ugly because they got off to a very ugly start where, you know, their first punt was returned for a touchdown, and the ensuing drive, he fumbled, and they're down 0-14. to 14. So how they allocate his carries will be interesting because, at least on the presser, they've been saying that, hey, they have full confidence in him. He rarely fumbled in college. You know, we're not going to do anything to dissuade him, and we want to entrust him with the ball, which is great. But last week, Rashad Penny, their first-round pick out of San Diego State, he was hurt. He didn't play the game. He was a he was a scratch. So this time around, from what I understand, Penny should be playing. He should be suited up. And so, what will the uh, what will the carry load be? Uh, are they still really going to trust Chris Carson, or are they going to give the ball to Rashad Penny? If this was another matchup to kind of exploit, well, I mean, this Cardinals defense, like I said before, they haven't been particularly good at anything for that matter, whether it's been pass defense, run defense. Uh, This defense is in transition. They have Chandler Jones and 
Buda Baker and not much else right now. Uh, a lot of rookies playing on the front seven. So uh, this would be a good opportunity for Seattle to, I don't know, for once maybe like have a convincing win. Thus far, all their games have been very close. So it does make you wonder uh, if they can finally exploit, you know, a very, uh, well, a very winless team. Let's just say that they're a rebuilding team. I mean, these are the sort of games you're supposed to win. Yeah, that's that's all I'm going to say. So with that being said, let's go ahead and go to prediction time. I gave you both sides of the football for each divisional team. And the funny thing was, like, I was really in favor for Seattle when I first talked about this matchup. But the more I think about it and the more I go back to my first points about, you know, this Cliff Kingsbury 10 offense where they use a bunch of receivers and they, they challenge this Seattle front seven to make a play. Uh, I just, I have this underlying feeling that the Cardinals are going to really come into their own and finally play some football on both sides of the football, on both sides of the, or whatever, uh, on both sides, offense and defense, where uh, I think that they will get enough pass rush to give Russell Wilson and this offensive line enough troubles because I've seen that before in years past. It's pretty much the same defense. Uh, they changed the offense completely this year, but the defense is about the same. It's a different scheme, don't get me wrong, but I think that Chandler Jones and Terrell Suggs will uh, give Russell Wilson some trouble. And I think that uh, given some of the miscues for Seattle thus far on their offense, uh, this will be a tightly contested game where I think that at the very end, Kyler Murray and this offense will finally break through for all four quarters. Uh, it will be very interesting to see whether the play calling for the Cardinals does change because thus far they've been kind of abandoning the run because they've been behind. Um, but with a more tightly contested game, that actually might work more so for the Cardinals' favor. Um, you know, I think that it's just a combination of Seattle continuing to play ugly and the Cardinals finally coming to, into their own with this offense. I think both Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury are coming into their own as they come into week four. Uh, so with that being said, it's kind of weird for me to say, but it's happened in the past. For the reference, the Cardinals do play the Seahawks tough. It's a divisional game. But between Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, I think that we're going to see an upset, a home dog upset. So give me the Seattle Seahawks 20 and the Arizona Cardinals 23. Based off the premise of Seattle always playing ugly closer than they should be, maybe playing down to their competition, and on the other end, the Cardinals finally getting it all together on home with Kyler Murray and the play calling being a little bit more balanced this time around um, to have a full game for all four quarters. So Seattle 20, Cardinals 23, you heard her here first. All right, so on the other side of the NFC West, a little bit more, uh, well, the spread speaks for itself. Bucks at Rams. The Rams are favored by nine and a half over under 50 and a half, which means that Vegas is predicting a higher scoring game. And I don't blame them. I mean, shoot, you're looking at that Buccaneers-Giants game in which 
what was it like a 38-35 game or 37-35 game? I, I don't have the score on me, but it was a very highly scoring contested game in which Mike Evans had, don't quote me on this as well, but he had three touchdowns, 160 passing yards. Jameis Winston had a very strong game with the exception of, you know, him being Jameis Winston. And that is forcing the ball, getting himself into some troubled situations for interceptions. And that was kind of the reason why the Buccaneers lost again. But at the same time, too, uh, if I'm the Rams and I'm looking at this Buccaneers team, I'm a bit worried in the sense where, hey, you know, that Jameis Winston and this offense can certainly put up points. Uh, But conversely, from a pass rushing perspective, I don't know if you all heard, but this linebacker from the Broncos who signed on with the Buccaneers this offseason, Shaquille Barrett. Shaquille Barrett, he, through three weeks, he has eight sacks. Yeah, you heard me. He has eight sacks in three weeks. So he had four sacks last week alone against the Giants. And, you know, you can say all you want, but four sacks against any professional football team raises eyebrows. And what should raise eyebrows for this Rams team is... Uh, man, if you look at their interior offensive line, and I'm sure you guys have, Brian Allen, the center, Joe Noteboom, the guard, and Austin Blythe. Oh, wait, Austin Blythe got hurt a couple weeks ago, so you have another uh, first-time starter in Jamil Demby. You have three offensive linemen, notably the interior offensive line. They are first-time starters. Most of them... Actually, I think all of them are second-year players in which, uh, yeah, man, the protection for the Rams hasn't been good. In pass protection, Jared Goff has not been, well, say what you want about Jared Goff, but he's been more inconsistent this year than the years past because uh, the pass protection hasn't been that good. Uh, Notably, um, you know, another thing that has affected this Rams offense is... Well, the run game, because Todd Gurley is, what's the baseball term? He's on a pitch count right now. It's been three weeks, but it's quite obvious that Sean McVay has put him on a pitch count where they're trying to limit his touches. They're trying to keep him fresh for the duration of the season to hopefully go into the postseason. And, you know, uh, first half throughout these games, Todd Gurley doesn't get that many touches. They usually put him at the latter half to finish off games and that significantly shows on the offense as a whole because this offense does run through Gurley yes they still run through Gurley even though uh you haven't really seen it or it doesn't look as obvious because he doesn't have that many touchdowns this year and from a fantasy football perspective people took note of that but you know this Rams offense uh they have scored a combined total of 22 points in the first half through three weeks. So compare that to their second half combination of points, which is 55 combined points in the second half. So the first half of ball games, they've scored a combined total of 22 points. Second half, it's been 55. That is a pretty marginal difference between first half and second half, which shows, though, that when you have a heavier doses of Todd Early in the run game, it stabilizes the offensive line, Jerry Goff. Notably in the third quarter, that is usually when they get their shit together, and that's when they score 
through most points. It's kind of like the Warriors. That's where they make their run. It's in the third quarter. So what does that all really mean? All right, so, I mean, this Rams defense, the reason why they're 3-0, I'll just say it right now, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that you guys are going to agree with me. It's not because of the offense. It's because of the Rams defense. This defense thus far has been stellar, and Aaron Donald, he only has one sack for the season. He got his first sack last week to the Browns, but the whole Aaron Donald effect is quite significant. Clay Matthews, he's like, what, 32, 33 years old. Uh, They gave him like a, I guess he got the hometown discount, but he got like a veteran deal, and he has four sacks this season. Eric Weddle's playing well. Corey Littleton, this front seven. Dante Fowler, I think he's got a couple of sacks as well. So collectively, front seven, they're getting pressure. They're getting to the quarterback. And because of that, I haven't really heard anything bad from the secondary. In the years past, the secondary has been kind of up and down. You would hear some criticism about, you know, the aggressive nature of Marcus Peters. You'd hear a couple things about maybe the coverage from their safety spots. But you know what? Uh, Not a peep. Not a peep at all that I've been hearing about this Rams secondary. They played Odell Beckham Jr. last week against the Browns. They played Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara the previous week against the Saints. And uh, even in week one, they played uh, Christian McCaffrey, Greg Olson in the passing game against the Panthers. And so thus far, they've been doing pretty well in the pass defense department. And yeah, man, uh, I would feel some sort of way about this Buccaneers team, especially when you look at some of their vertical threats. On the offense, obviously you have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin. Shoot, even their tight ends are pretty nasty with O.G. Howard and Cameron Brates. But uh, you know, all in all, I think that as long as this Rams front seven can disrupt the quarterback, which is Jameis Winston, force Jameis Winston to do Jameis Winston things and make dumbass decisions, then uh, yeah, they should be fine. Given looking at the over under, it's fifty and a half. I still expect. The Buccaneers to put up points. Uh, not particularly scared of their run game between Ronald Jones and Philip Barber, but yeah, sure. Um, if this game goes a certain rhythm in the Buccaneers' favor where they want to kind of throw it up in the air and be a little bit more aggressive because of Bruce Arians, I'm not too scared because I know that at the end of the day, this Rams front seven will eventually force James Winston to cave in and make mistakes. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. So as long as the Rams play their game, limit the turnovers, offensive line, I I know that it's going to be somewhat tough with this current state of the offensive line, but as long as they play okay and you get a good dosage of Todd Gurley, Malcolm Brown, maybe some Daryl Henderson, that would be awesome to see the rookie, the third-round rookie out of Memphis. But um, you get what I'm saying. If they run the football well and they, they play their game, they set themselves up nicely for play action. Uh, between Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, I don't see any reason why this Buccaneers defense is going to outclass the Rams. So having said that, uh, Rams are favored by 9.5. I think that, you know, that Browns game, it was, it was tough. It was at Cleveland. Uh, I think that the Browns had a much more aggressive pass rush than Miles Garrett and a couple of those boards on the defensive line 
The Buccaneers obviously do not. Shaquille Barrett mentioned before, he's coming off a four-set game. If I was Robert Havenstein, which is the Rams' right tackle, that would be my primary focus in terms of matchup of the day. Uh, outside of that, you know, Aqib Tlaib versus Mike Evans on the outside. Uh, Nickel Roby Coleman, uh, or, you know, for that matter, Marcus Peters against Chris Godwin. Godwin's their, their slot receiver, and he's been particularly dangerous in the slot. That's another matchup I would focus as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that the Rams will outclass the Buccaneers, especially at home. They play very well at home, and it seems that, you know, this offense, while it's not there yet uh, against a okay Buccaneers defense, uh, this offense will be plenty fine. So go ahead and give me... Buccaneers 20, Rams 31. I think that it'll be closer in the first half, but I think that in the third quarter, things will kind of, they will come together like they usually do. The cream will rise to the crop, and yeah, the Rams come out, they cover the spread, and win by 11 points. Buccaneers 20, Rams 31, and we out here. Simple as that. So just to recap, I think that uh, the Cardinals will upset the Seahawks 23-20. to I think the Rams will take care of business at home 31-20. to So going into NFL Week 4, let's see what happens. Once again, thank you for checking out the podcast via Spotify, iTunes, also Instagram at JustTheWest, Twitter at JustTheWest, and of course the blog www.justthewest.com One minor note and I've been saying this the last couple pods the blog posts have been kind of lagging on my end. I've been slowly trying to get it out and about it's been a little bit busier this month. It's been kind of crazy with, uh, I don't know, job and other personal things but I promise guys that uh, some more content will be coming your way Yep So, until next time We out here. Peace.